Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. For all of our moms that are still living and those that maybe your mom has passed away, man, in, in honor and tribute of them, we are so glad that you are here. And what, what, a great, what a great understanding of understanding how powerful prayer is. How many, how many would be honest to say maybe you, were, you are where you are today because of your mama's prayers? Come on, you. Yeah. How many in here has got a mama? I mean, how many? Yeah. Some of you, how'd you get here? I, I don't know. I mean, you're just, you ain't admitting to nothing. I see that already. So, hey, I want you to take your worship guide, if you would, and open that up, take the Bibles and I want you to open them to Mark chapter 5. We're in this great series on questions, and, and Pastor John made mention that, that him, and, him and Matt and some of the staff said, well, Pastor, why in the world, why don't you preach in John chapter 2, and why don't you use that opportunity to say, woman, what is your issue, okay? <laughs> and I would not touch that with a 10-foot pole, believe me. I, you know, for, so some of you don't know, Miss Sunshine, our daughter, she's like having a second wife for me. She keeps up with me. You know, she tracks me. She, yesterday I was gone about 11 hours out doing bike ministry, and she was wondering where I was, texting me, you know, calling, wanting to know where you at, what time you're going to be back. I'm saying, good Lord, Jesus. Uh, and uh, so I love that. But how many understand that mom has a way of dealing with questions real good? You ever notice that? A lot of us dads, when our kids have questions, we say, go ask your mom, okay? So here's, here's some mom questions for all you that are moms, all you that will soon be moms. Here's some would you rather mom questions. Are you ready? Would you rather allow your child to eat whatever they want for every meal until they're 18 or let them get a giant regrettable tattoo when they're 12? Would you rather? How about this? Would you rather accidentally break a priceless artifact at a museum and let your child take the blame? <laughs> or let your child break the priceless artifact and you take the blame. Come on, how many moms in here you blame your kids on some? Oh, well, you know, the kids. Yeah. How about this? And would you rather let your child take your diary to show and tell at school or your collection of 50 shades of grade books to kids' church on Sunday? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God embarrassment. Would you rather have your child blow his or her nose in your shirt or in the palm of your hand? Come on. Oh, just give me, give me, let me have you two more. Would you rather get stuck in an elevator with all of your kids that are very hungry for five hours or get stuck in an elevator with your celebrity crush who has terrible gas for three hours? I just love that. Uh, give, 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 me, give, me, give me two more. Would you rather be able to know your child is lying or to be able to hear all of their thoughts? <laughs> Which one? And one last one. Would you rather publicly announce which child is your 
favorite or let all of your children slap your face for $50? <laughs> Would you rather? I love our moms, and this morning we're going to go to Mark chapter 5, and there's a woman in the Bible that is actually a, a very unique person in the Bible in that what she does is so unique that our story has just kept being told for over 2,000 years now, and yet she is nameless. There's a lot of famous women in the Bible that we know by name, Eve and Sarah and Mary, but this woman is nameless, and yet she, she does something so miraculous that it gets the attention of Jesus, and he, he asked a question that we're going to look at this morning in Mark chapter 5, and, and verse 30 says this, and it's just kind of, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? It's a very interesting question. Who, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And when you, when you start looking at this story, you have to ask the question, well, well why did she come to Christ? I mean, why, what, what, what is the reason that she's there? And as you start reading through this story, immediately you begin to understand this woman is, is living a life that she's very frustrated and she's very disappointed. Matter of fact, we're going to learn as we kind of navigate the story that, that she's had this issue. She's had this, this issue of blood. Now, how many understand we all got issues, right? Come on. But, she, but she's had a physical issue of blood for 12 years. And it seems that, that nobody could help her. She spent all the money that she has had try, trying to find a cure to what ails her. It appears from all, all study about this woman that that all the safety nets in society have failed her. The healthcare system has certainly failed her. And even the religious institutions of her day had failed her. So, so here this lady is totally disappointed and totally frustrated. She, she feels like that she's so simply hopeless to have anything change in her life. Now, let me just stop for just a minute. Most of us in this room and most of us watching online today, all of our campuses, we understand the fact that is the story of so many people in our culture today. You, you see so many people today walking around with whatever issue that they're dealing with, and they feel totally frustrated sometimes. They, they feel totally disappointed that, that people are letting them down. Society is letting them down. Many, many times they, they've isolated themselves or they've been isolated and they, they feel totally lonely and helpless. So this is this woman's state of mind. So then, then you ask the question, well, well, how did this totally disappointed, totally frustrated person, how did she come to Christ? What, what is it that happens in her life? Most of us in this room, is everybody, is everybody familiar with the term, it's a football term, it's called a Hail Mary. You, 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 everybody know, they, they throw the Hail Mary. What does that mean? It usually means it's the end of the game, you're losing, you've got one final play, one final shot, one, one opportunity to maybe get a miraculous miracle to happen. This seems to be this woman's Hail Mary situation. Again, I go back to 
to Mark's gospel. I just want to read now verse 27. The Bible said she had heard. Everybody said she heard. So she had heard about Jesus, and she came behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said. Everybody say, for she said. So what's this? What's happening? She, she's heard something. Now she's speaking something. She said, if I can but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that the power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now what's this? The Bible said that she heard something about Jesus. She, she had heard rumors about him. She had heard conversations about him. But, but she heard something, and when she heard something, she started saying something to herself. In other words, she's totally helpless. She's totally frustrated. She's totally disappointed. But she hears about something happening over here with this man, this miracle worker. is, And she says, if I can just get to this man, Jesus, I believe if I touch him, I'm going to be healed. Now, what's this? When I studied this out, there, there are some theologians that believe that this woman's condition, this hemorrhage is happening for 12 years, it's a result of, of the sin of adultery or the sin of fortification, that, that, she, had, that she had been a, 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 a lady of the, of the world to the point that in her, in her unfaithfulness in marriage, or if she hadn't been married, some, some struggle about that, in her fortification, that she had, had got this sickness or this disease that had, that had taken over her body, and now for 12 years, she, she is hemorrhaging. And when you think about that, you know this lady had to be in a totally embarrassing situation. She, she had to be to the point that, that society has, has now disowned her. Religious culture has said, you, you can't come near to us. And, and I guarantee you there was most people around her that was telling her, you're totally unworthy of any healing. You're, you're totally unworthy to be known or to be loved by Jesus. Now watch this. We, we know in our culture today that there are people around us. There's people that we work with. There's people that we rub shoulders with. That there's people in our culture today who because of choices they made or because of choices somebody else made for them, they feel totally unworthy of coming to Jesus. Of coming to church. Well, I'm going to preach if somebody just helped me. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. I should have brought my horn today. I know that. But what's that? The two most powerful words that people can hear today in our culture is that God knows you and God loves you. Two most powerful words that people can be told today in our culture, in all the brokenness of our culture, in everything that's going on in our culture, is the fact that God knows you, God has a purpose for you, and that God absolutely loves you. Listen, I believe we don't say that enough, and I certainly believe the people don't hear that enough. So write this, write this down. I put this in your note. What if we learned to look at the image of God in every person and not the damage of sin in them. Wow. What if we learned to look at the image of God in every person instead of the damage of sin that is in them? 
The truth is there are people in our culture today that we know that they have been pressed beyond their, their limits. They, they have moments and challenges of their life that literally has put them to the very age. And many, many times they lose hope. And it's easy to forget if you've never heard or if you've heard something, it's easy to forget there is a God who knows you and there is a God who loves you. Part of the culture of this church is us to be able to say, God, help us to not to be able to look past the damage of sin in somebody and see the image of God that's in them. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. I have, an, I have here with me a two-page letter. I won't say his name because he's one of our Westville campus people, and he's come from our Westville family. But he tells me in this letter, he says, Pastor Phil, he talks about how he's 47 years of age. He's been incarcerated since he was in his 20s. Never ever went to church. He's lost his mom and lost his dad. He's lost every friend. And it was not until New Year's Eve that he started reading the Bible and he started coming to church of Heartland Christian Center, which now he hears the gospel. And he tells me in this letter, he said, Pastor, I didn't know that God could care for somebody like me. I never heard that God could look past the damage of sin in my life and see the image of God in me until I started coming to Heartland Christian Center. You see, that's what the gospel is all about. That, listen, that's what we struggle with in our culture today. How do we look past the damage of sin? Yesterday, I was at three different events. I was out 11 hours and doing bike events. And I'm at one place where you either give blood with your lip or you give it with your arm. So I submitted, and I said, I'll give some blood through my arm. And we sat there, five of us. We give five pints of blood. I hate giving blood, okay? I don't like it. There's nothing, something glamorous and glorious about it. Don't applause because I did it. Because, listen, I hate needles. I hate needles. And I'm getting there, and it's, a, it's one of the portable units that they have. So you in this, and they've got three chairs here, and I'm seeing this person here, and this person here, and this person, this person, and we're all crowned in together, and that lady's poking me, and she's saying, you're okay. Yeah, I'm just speaking in tongues, ma'am. I'm just talking to Jesus. I'm talking to Jesus. But I knew, I knew if I didn't give blood, I'm going to walk out because the, 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 the MC that I'm around right there, listen, I knew that everyone was going to give me bad for it if I didn't do it. And I have these conversations, and, and you, 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 see the, you see the damage of sin on their physical bodies. You see the damage of sin in their conversations. You see the damage, and you hear the damage of sin in how they speak and how they talk. And yet here I am there with a, with a vest on that says pastor, says prison ministry, and it talks about how what well, we're there to serve. And listen, somebody said, how in the world could you have conversation? Listen, how in the world could we not? Those are the kind of people that need Jesus. And listen, it's not just people like that. It's people that you work with that it's so easy sometimes. All you focus on is the damage of sin rather than the image of God that is in them. Do, do, do you understand that when you look at the life of Jesus, of how that in, in, in Jesus' life that, that he was a master of being able to see the image of God in others and rather than the damage of sin? 
That's what enabled him to serve the people that had diseases. That's what enabled him to heal the lepers and, and go to those people that was the outcasts of the community. That's what enabled him to sit at the table with sinners and tax collectors. Why? Because he simply would look past the damage of sin and see the image of God. Everybody say, when she heard. When she heard of what? She heard of Jesus. Somebody was talking about Jesus. Somebody was having a conversation about Jesus. Do you know how I'll still, when they do studies today of how people come to Jesus, you know how it breaks down? Listen, 1% to 2% of people come to Jesus because they have a personal crisis, a death or a divorce or some tragedy in their life. 2 to 3% people just randomly walk into a church. They just decide, I'm going to. I'm going to go to church. Four to five percent come to Jesus through a Sunday school. Revival of crusade, 0.25 percent through 0.50 percent. Church programs, two to three percent. Well, surely people come to Jesus because of such a powerful preaching like a pastor does, right? I mean, it's got to be five to six percent come to Jesus because of a sermon that the pastor preached. You will study after study, she'll show 75 to 90% of people come to Jesus because of a friend or because of a relative. 75 to 90% of the people that are totally frustrated, totally disappointed, totally broken in this world, that they're needing something and somebody to come in their life, they come to Jesus because somebody has the courage to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Wow. I love the fact that this church understands that. I love the fact that we understand talking about Jesus is important. Yes, worship is important. Yes, preaching is important. But listen, let me tell you, the church is out in the world. This is our worship gathering. We are here today to love each other and be loved by each other and enjoy each other. But our mission field is out there somewhere. You understand that? We've got a guy that comes to our, to our full throttle campus today. He's there Thursday or Sunday. You know why he's there? Two years ago, three years ago, I met him at a bike lesson. And we're just doing bike lessons. We have 24 we do this year. I've already done three, and we got our four, and we got 20 more to go. At a bike lesson, he said, I saw something different about you. I saw and I heard something different about this church and that church. And he said, I tried to check it out. I wanted to come, and he's been there ever since. Somebody talked about Jesus. She heard. And I just want to encourage you. Many of you are speaking. You know, listen, one of the things you cannot do is get impatient with the operation of the Holy Spirit. You sow, you sow, you pray for the heart, you trust the Holy Spirit, you sow the seed. Many of you are doing that. Don't stop doing that. Listen, you're giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to take that heart and draw them to Jesus because you're simply talking about Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you're doing a good job. Come on, tell them, you're doing a good job. Pray for me. I don't know if I can handle too many more blood drives. I'm just telling you. I may ask for a substitute out there, so if I call your number, you please pick up and let, let you know. So, let, let me... 
Let me just look, look, look at some characteristics of this woman. Let me tie this thing together real quick for us. What, what makes her stand out? It's such an example that we still talk about her story, even though she's famous. Well, number one, she, she was a radical risk taker. She, she went against the rules of her time to get her healing, to, to get what she needed. That's a radical risk taker. Secondly, she was, she was imperfect, but, but she was unwavering in her faith. I'll share with you in just a few minutes. There, there are some beliefs that she had concerning Jesus and that garment that's not quite too, uh, not quite true. It's tied to some to some superstitions of that culture that day. But even though she was imperfect, she was unwavering in her faith. She she was persevering through the crowd. That, I mean, this was no ordinary crowd around Jesus. There is a throne of people. People are everywhere, and yet she finds a way through her imperfect mindset through this unwavering faith she gets to Jesus. Thirdly, she's fearful, but she's faith-filled. She's fearful, but she's faith-filled. The Bible says after she touches Jesus and he stops and he says, something's happened, who touched me? That, that she comes up and she's trembling. She's fearful, but yes, she was faith-filled. She, she was fearful, but yet she was faith-filled. You see, sometimes some of us wait till we're faith-filled to go do something. We're afraid to move out in our fearfulness, but it's in our fearfulness that we can get to where Jesus at. You see, I go to some of the places I go. I talk to some of the dudes that I talk to, not because I'm this great, courageous, this great, you know, just great man of faith. I'm just so, so much. Listen, I have so much fear sometimes. I told Miss Rhonda the other day, I said, I think I need to start carrying me a change of pants, you know, just in case. Because I get around some of these situations, I said, Lord Jesus, if you don't help me, right? Listen, yesterday I was filled with fear. That would, I wasn't praying in tongues because I was so holy. I was praying in tongues because I'm saying, Lord Jesus, this would be a good time for you to come right now. Just come, Jesus. I was afraid. I hate needles. I hate needles. But it's in the midst of the fear that we, that we walk out. What, what does that mean? Write this down. Faith requires risk. This woman puts herself in the, in the position of extreme risks to get something that she was so desperate to. This was her Hail Mary. But she knew that if I don't risk something, then, then I have no opportunity of getting anything from God. She, she's a bleeding woman. I don't, I don't have time, but if you go back in the Old Testament, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 15, it talks about when a woman has had a discharge of blood for so many days, you know, beyond just a monthly uh, time that, that women would have, they're considered unclean. It was a Jewish culture that, that this bleeding disorder, it rendered her unclean. Everything and everybody around her was unclean. She was not permitted to touch money. She could not touch food. She couldn't attend religious services. She, she could not be physically close to anybody. Yet she risked everything to get through the crowd to get to Jesus. By exposing herself to the public at this time, 12 years she's been hemorrhaging, she was punishable by death. 
But what does she have to lose? Right? She's going to die. She has no money. Every physician has walked away, she's walked away from saying, I thought this was, and I just thought this appointment was the one. Only to hear the words, can't help you. No cure. So she risked what? She risked everything. But what is everything? She's going to die. True? Right. She's going to die. And some of us sometimes, when, 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 when we want God to do something, we, we will say, Pastor, I, I want to have faith with this. Listen, faith is something that in our lives that we have to understand the fact that we have to be willing to risk in order to see God do the impossible in our lives. Her willingness to climb out on a limb, her persistence to, to get through the crowd, listen, it, it, was, it was at a point in her life she understood that I have no hope Unless I get to this Jesus. What, what if, what if, now listen, again, no judgment. What if we could see the image of God in people rather than the damage of sin in their life to the point that when you have that coworker, when you've got that family member, when you, that you look at them and you understand the fact if they don't know Jesus Christ and they die in that condition, they are eternally lost. They're lost. We, we said it last week. Who do you say Jesus is? If you don't say he is the Messiah, he is the Lord, he is the Savior, then listen, we are eternally lost. That's what should be our motivation. You shouldn't need an evangelistic tool or standard. We do that. We have those. But listen, what should be our motivating thing is the fact that every person that I look in the eyes to, I see the damage of sin. But beyond that, I see the image of God. And if that person doesn't accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they are eternal loss. Faith requires risk. Faith is not safe. We want it safe, don't we? We were seeing, we was watching something the other night about parts of the, the world, and I told Rhonda, I said, Rhonda, how blessed we are to live in America. How blessed we are to be born in this country. Nothing but the grace of God. Nothing but His sovereignty says you're going to be born in the U.S. and not in the Middle East. And we look at the blessing that God has given us in our lives. We look at the great opportunity that we have with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can go anywhere and we can speak to anybody at any moment without right now at least the threat on our life. And yet so many times we are silenced because we are afraid to risk. I want them to like me. And friendship is important. And relationship evangelism is important. What much of what we do when we start our biker ministry that now we've been doing now for, for I don't know, eight, nine, ten years, we've been doing sowing seeds, sowing seeds, building relationship. But ultimately, it's getting that point where I can tell that person and I can have that conversation of the fact that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Have you accepted Him as your Lord and your Savior? If you don't do that, then you are eternal loss. 
And that's hard. That's hard in this culture where, as we talked about last week, it, we want to we get on the side of public consensus. Well, if they just need to do a little better, if they could just change their lifestyle a little bit, if they could just stop a few things, no, 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 they need conversion. True? Oh, I've done gone to meddling, haven't I? Everybody say, God bless, Pastor so let me try this one. True faith gets God's attention. Have you ever wondered how Jesus knew that this woman with the issue of blood had touched him? Because he asked the question, who touched me? Matter of fact, the disciples, if you read the entire story, the disciples think that is such a ridiculous question. Why in the world are you asking? Do you see the people around you? Do you not know that anybody could be throwing around you? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Matter of fact, some theologians say that it was almost like Jesus was being suffocated. The crowd of people was around him. But all of a sudden, in the midst of the crowd, in the midst of that, him being suffocated by the crowd, in the midst of that, this little woman reaches up and she touches him. The Greek word there is hapto, which means to fasten to or to cling to. She just didn't nudge Jesus. She just didn't bump into Jesus. She, she fastened on. She clinged to him. But it, it wasn't the garment. It was himself. He, he felt something happening to her. Jesus said, who, who clung to me? Who, who held on to me with unwavering faith? That's what the Greek talks about. This woman in this desperate situation her last absolute option and opportunity to escape death. What does she do? She clings to Jesus. Is Jesus enough when you've lost everything else? And is he enough? If you only had one thing to hold on to today, would Jesus be enough? Sometimes our hands are so full of stuff that we can't touch Jesus. Sometimes we can't even worship Jesus because we're so full of the weight of the, the cluster of this world is on us. It's hard to lift and worship Him. But when you're at that last moment, when you're in your desperation, this bleeding woman, her faith was so powerful that it, that it reached God. And Jesus knew something had happened because He said, Virtue went out of him. He felt that. The, the, the power of Jesus was released in the, And I love that. Write this down. God's attention to her was not divided. Because what's, what's so unique about this story is that Jesus is going. There's this guy by the name of Jairus who has come to Jesus. Says, Jesus, I've got, a, I've got a daughter at home and she's sick and I need you to come and pray for her. And Jesus is going to go, to go to be with Jairus at his house to pray. And the crowds are following Jesus. But in the midst of this crowd following Jesus, this woman shows up. She touches Jesus. And the, the moment she touches Jesus, she has his undivided attention. The moment she touched Jesus, he's 
Everything else is just almost like in a movie where everything's blacked out, and it's just Jesus and her in that. And Jesus listens intently to the story that she tells him. I love the fact that when we come to Jesus, we say, oh, you know, God's so busy, and he's doing this stuff in Russia, and he's doing this stuff in Ukraine, and he's having to help the Middle East, and he's having to help Israel, and he's having to help China, and he's having to help. But I love the fact that when we come to Jesus in faith, all of a sudden, we have his undivided attention. It's just you and Jesus. I'm talking to Jesus. And he stops. And he listens. He, 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 he lets her tell her story. The loneliness she'd been bearing, the, the desperation that she felt. Despite the crowd that was around them, it seemed like nobody else existed in those moments. There's no detail for how long it took for her to tell her story, but it didn't matter. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Because at that moment, Jesus needed or this woman needed Jesus to be fully present with him. You ever had those times in your life? Where you, 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 you know there's other people praying in north part of Porter County and Stark County and LaPorte County and Lake County, and you, you know there's other needs around you. Her daughter and son-in-law talked about with, with, with her daughter in, in Chicago Hospital and walking through there and, and feeling for themselves and then look over here and see a child and see this condition, that, how overwhelmed that they felt that, man, that maybe this is a bigger need. And certainly that's compassion we should feel, but, but have you ever understood the fact that because he cares about us more, because he sees the image of God in us and not the damage of sin in all of us, he sees the image of God, that when we speak his name, when we reach out to him in faith, that he becomes fully present in our lives. He's there for us. And some of you, I know he seems far away. I know he seems distant at times. I would challenge you as you read this story and understand the fact that he wants to be in your moment. Maybe, maybe the enemy, maybe self will tell you, well, their moment's bigger than my moment. No, it isn't to God. Your moment is just as important to God as my moment is. I'm sitting over there, I'm speaking in tongues, and they're getting blood out of me. And I'm looking at these other guys. I took had four of the guys with me. I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, okay, God, I know in my heart of hearts, they're praying to you too, okay? I know that. I know they're, yeah, Josh, Matthew, Levi, you, you guys, hey, don't act like, oh, yeah, it's no problem now. You're crying out to God too. You're, and it's okay. I got God's attention. But they had God's attention. You follow me? So write this down. God can work even within perfect faith. Because, listen, so many times we think we got to get everything right. we got to get all our theology right. we got to get everything lined up. No, no, listen. This, this woman, the issue of blood, she has faith, but, but it's mingled with superstition. When, when she heard about Jesus, she reasoned within herself that if she could touch the hem of his garment, she would be made whole. What was it about? It, it was a popular superstition in the, in the Jewish culture that, that that person's power could be transmitted through their clothes. 
In, in Jesus' case, she's giving reference to the, to the hem of his garment. Specifically, that was a Jewish practice in which a, a devout Jew, that, that they wore uh, this, this cloak or this, this, this overcovering this, with, with tassels and fringes on the four corners of the outer garment. And it was there that this superstition was uh, that people believed that when you touched the hem of the garment, that, that you could be made whole, that, that, that the power could be transferred to them. Or to you. And, and we see in other places in Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6, other places where, uh, other occasion where the, the sick was brought to Jesus. And the Bible said they applauded him that they might touch the fringe of his garment. They wanted to touch one of those tassels. So her faith isn't perfect. It's mingled with this superstition. But Jesus responds to that superstition when he says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, You touching my tassel made you whole. He didn't say, You getting my garment made you whole. He's addressing the superstition. There's no power in my clothes. There's power in me. The real power was her faith in God. You follow me? But it wasn't like she had, listen, we give out handkerchiefs and prayer cloths. We anoint them. We had somebody at one of our campuses. They couldn't sleep at night. They said, I feel like I'm tormented. We went we prayed over the house. And I, they said, listen, when I lay down at night, I have this fear. I, I took a handkerchief. I, I anointed it. I said, put it under your pillowcase. Sleep under it. Now, listen, there's no power that I use it to wipe sweat with. But I anointed it, and we prayed. And as she released her face, she said, listen, I've been sleeping like a baby. I wake up every two hours crying. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She said, she said I, ever since that, I've just been sleeping at night. What is that? The power of the, no, it's not the cloth. It was her faith. When we anoint people with awe, when we lay hands on people to pray for them, it is nothing powerful of the hand. It's the faith that gets released in the power of God. I love the fact that her faith was accepted even in its imperfection that she received healing. What does that mean to us, Pastor? It means that your imperfect faith can still move God. You don't have to have all of the theology right about healings or restoration. You don't have to know every verse there is about that. All you have to do is be able to have the all. Uh, audacity to say, if I can just touch Jesus, if I can let my faith be in Him, and then lastly, Jesus' healing is complete. Faith is one of those spiritual disciplines in our life that, that permeates all the aspects of life. This bleeding that this woman was experiencing, this, this untold anguish that she had had for 12 years. She had not been able to enjoy any type of healthy relationship for 12 years. She had been isolated from the religious community for 12 years. Because of her illness... She had been shunned by family. She had been disowned. Some theologians write about uh, Josephus, uh, uh, a Jewish historian. Josephus said that, that she had been disowned by her own father. 
Again, going back to what some said, that she had this disease because of some sin that she had committed. And the Jewish culture ought to believe that sickness was tied to sin. As a woman in this society, she, she was at the most vulnerable place in her life. But Jesus says, who touched me? And then he says, and he uses the word daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. The word daughter in that Jewish culture was to, was to signify there was a full restoration that she was now experiencing. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. There was a full, she, she had had no covering over her life. There, there was, women were so vulnerable in that culture. Without a man, they had no covering. They, they didn't have anybody that could defend them. Uh, you know, men would step up and, and protect. She had nobody. But when Jesus says, daughter, when he says, daughter, you know what he's saying? He says, you're in family again. Daughter, you have somebody who cares about you. I love that. How many people today that because of bad choices and bad things that they've done in their life, this guy right here, been incarcerated since the 20s, he's in his 20s, he's 47 years old. But just to hear, God loves you. And God cares about you, and God has a plan for you, and God has a purpose for you. Now, historians say that when she's healed, she can resume her social interactions again. She could participate in worship. Years ago, as a kid, a little country church where my dad pastored, there was a little lady in our church that was so faithful of coming, and she got diagnosed with cancer. This was before a lot of treatments and things was happening, and she, she wasn't going to do those things. She didn't have the finances to do it. And the latter few months of her life, she would come to church, and she sat on the very back row, a little country church, only seated about 100 people. But she sat on the back of the pew, and she would ask people to stay away from her. Her body odor was so bad. The cancer was eating away. Internally and externally, it had started attacking her body. But she said, I just want to be in service to worship my Jesus. Now, I'll never forget some of the people come to my dad and they said, you know, Brother Wallace, she don't need to sit back there. I said, the Lord will help us to deal with the smell. And this woman, can you imagine the first time after 12 years of being told you can't come to the church now, she can walk back into the synagogue again and she can worship. Because Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. There's people in our culture today, there's people that you rub shoulders with every day. They need to hear what Jesus said. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Then he says, go in peace. What did he mean? He said, you're physically, you're emotionally, and you're relationally healed. God heals everything. I love that. Come unto me, all you that are weary and burdened, he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Thursday night, I, I had to miss full throttle. Pastor Matt did a great job preaching over there. I was in South Bend. We did a bike lesson. There's four, over 400 bikes that was there at a bike night there at a dealership. 
And as before, we're connecting, we're passing out stickers, we're having prayer individually. This young boy comes up to me, and he said, you, you a pastor? And I said, yeah. I said, he said, I can't believe you're here. You know, there you had the beer garden, and they had stuff. And, you know, I'm not in the beer garden. I'm out here with the guys. And he said, I can't be here. He said, w would you come in? Well, are you really going to pray for bikes? I said, sure. I said, but it's more about praying for you than it is to bike. I had this whole conversation. Again, you, you, you see people in our culture today, they're longing, for, they're longing for something they don't know. But they're just like the little woman with the issue of blood. They, they sometimes spend everything they got going from place to place, relationship to relationship. So what's, what's some takeaways? Real quickly, what's some takeaways that I can give you? Number one, what if we started praying for courage to take godly steps of faith? What, what, if, what if every one of us in this room and all of our campuses, what if we started saying, God, just give me, give me courage to take a step of faith? What, what if we started saying, God, help me when I go to work tomorrow but at the steel mill, at the office, my neighbor, my family member? Listen, what, what if we said, God, please give me the courage to see the image of God in them and stop focusing on the damage of sin in their life? That makes sense? It takes courage to do that. It's, it, it's, not, it's not too much courage it takes just to call a spade a spade. Well, I just, I just call it what it is. I just call what I see. It doesn't take courage to do that. I see a jerk. I see an idiot. I see a what, what? Why would you do that to yourself? It takes faith and courage to say, behind all that, there's an image of God. You understand that? The sin has marred that. And some religious people can never get past that. Thank God we're not that way at this place. Right? Come on. Thank the Lord. You're the church that says we truly believe in the great commission of going in all the world and preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what if we prayed for courage? Secondly, what if we prayed for strength to push through difficult situations where we can access a miracle? I truly believe sometimes the reason why, not because of sin, not because of Satan, but sometimes because of self, the reason why sometimes we, we, don't, we don't get the, the opportunity to embrace our miracle is that we don't have the strength to push through the difficult situation. If it comes easy, it's okay. But if I got to push my way through a crowd... If I got to stay faithful two or three weeks or two or three months or two or three years believing for something, we got people right here in this church that's been battling sickness and diseases for, for four or five, six years or longer. And, and listen, they, they, they haven't seen total, they've seen some, they've seen part, but they, they, every day they just have strength of God to keep pushing through difficult situations to say, God, I want to get access to that miracle. Some of us need to pray for that strength. And then lastly, what if we started praying for daily peace in our personal journey with Jesus? One of the things I'm asking the Lord for, but I, you know, I have some big ask prayers, A-S-K prayers. I have some big ask prayers. But one of the things that I constantly ask the Lord for in my age and my stage in life is this. 
when I lay down at night, when this day is over, at some point this afternoon, I'll evaluate how we went today. What was the services like? I'll talk to the campus pastors. We'll, we'll, we'll have a meeting tomorrow. We'll do a staff thing. We'll go what worked, what didn't work, what we need to do, who did we connect with. But at some point in my life, I, got it, I have to get to that point where I say, God, everything we've been talking about doing, I just, I just put it to your hands, and I just thank you for that daily peace in my personal journey. I want to lay down at night and say, God, I did the best I could today. I give everything I had to give. I, I, I did everything I possibly could. And that's what gives me peace because I trust the Holy Spirit to do the work in your life and mine. And some of us need to be that same way about our family and about our friends. Worrying about them, having anxiety and stress about what they're doing or not doing, decisions they're making or not making, listen, is absolutely useless. Peace comes from, I'm talking to Jesus. Come on, you understand that? I'm talking to Jesus. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.